When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, sports fans. Before we get into the show, of course, I want to tell you about patreon.com slash Craig and Friends, which is the place you can go and get ad-free, uncut, and commercial-free editions of these very shows, plus a whole bunch of bonus stuff. But you know what? You can find out about that at where? That's right. Patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. Now, let's get into the intro for the show. Make believe is not pretend. We might be Hey there, sports fans, and welcome to part one of my chat with the lovely, the delightful, the effervescent Joey J. It always helps to tell the guest where the microphone is, um, because that way it just makes things even easier. How's the headphone level for you? It's great. Yeah? Okay, terrific. It's, it's great. Good, good. Of course, the voice you're hearing is Joey J, and Joey J has come here to reveal that he is gay. I know that it's been something that's been rumored. Uh, it's been talked about a little bit. It's kind of like Beyonce's Renaissance with part one, two, and three. And we've been on part one for a while now. A while now. My part one has been a, about 31 years. <laughs> when did you first realize that you were gay? When did I first realize I was gay? What a great question. Um, I would probably have to say growing up at a really young age it's interesting because when you are a child mm -hmm. you haven't gone through puberty yet you don't have sexual urges you're not yeah. you're not thinking about that it's not on your radar and um but i remember seeing a fine as hell man walk by and <laughs> there was just something about it that mm -hmm. i loved or i remember my first encounter seeing like a man's chest hair at the pool mm -hmm. it's so vivid and what it, age around would you guess? I was probably like five. Yeah. I had my little floaty on and I was like, this dude's cool. And <laughs> then know, it was Cool later. is a funny word with that because I think when you're younger, like cool is the euphemism for yeah. like some kind of attraction. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember I used to say Justin Timberlake was cool. And then all the girls would be like, oh, you think he's cute? And I'm like, well, yeah, look at his clothes. They're so cool. <laughs> and that's... That was how I snuck it or swept it under the rugs. So yeah. I didn't know. So when did you arrive at feeling comfortable? I, you know what? I hated high school and I was 17 and I was never going to see any of these people again. So it was a month before graduation. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, I think we all knew before I did, but I'm gay. <laughs> yeah. I never really had a coming out with my mother. Mm-hmm. She's always been really, really accepting. But I think just that kind of like, I don't have, all these people who used to make fun of me or call me slurs on the street, I don't have to worry about them anymore. I am about to start a new chapter. Yeah. I'm going to study what I want to study. I'm going to go where I want to go. And now I can just be myself and not have any of these people involved anymore. And I, mm. think, I think that was like the, the first moment. Yeah, it takes the, uh, it, 
it takes their ammunition away. Yeah. 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 Did you find that you were bullied in school or was it just like yeah. a general thing? I, who was it? Yeah, well, true. And, but you, and you grew up in Milwaukee, right? So I grew up in Madison. Madison. Uh, um, which is a beautiful liberal bubble of mm-hmm. Wisconsin. It's I grew up, it's kind of like you, you're going down campus in downtown Madison, Wisconsin. And if you've seen uh, Beauty and the Beast and Belle's on her way to the library and everyone's just like, bonjour, you know, it's like that. Everyone yeah. says hi. And that's what I grew up with. And then I left to go to Milwaukee and I'm like, oh, this is a different vibe. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was bullied. Well, yeah. And um, what was the vibe in Milwaukee? Because I know that, you know, I had a handy, usually off my phone is where I read this stuff. But of course, my phone is being pressed into service. But uh, you are, um, I'll just do my intro for you because I was going to do it earlier. But, you know, we Let's were having it. a natural discussion. So an alumni of the Lake Drive Drag Academy of Milwaukee and the lipstick lesbian of Phoenix, Arizona, dubbed by Denali, the trade of her season, a former software account manager, and so much more. I present to you my guest, Joey J. (laughs) How cute. So a delayed welcome to you. Yeah. Mm. Do you know who Lynn Cream is? Uh, no, I don't. Lynn Cream is a designer out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and she made a lot of Trixie's items when she went on and did drag race Mm -hmm. and uh, continues to do things for tricks every now and then. And um, she is the one who dubbed the name Lake drive drag Academy. And so (laughs) I just have to give her a shout out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lynn cream sounds interesting, but might be fun to talk to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And as a huge fan of Hedwig and the angry edge. Oh yes. And where there's a poster on the wall right now. Exactly. Yeah. Massive fan. And we'll have to send Lynn the uh, movie club. Yeah. I did on it. Or maybe get her thoughts on it because I'm still, I'm doing a re-edit of it. I have uh, chats with Stephen Trask, John Cameron Mitchell, um, Mike Potter, everyone. I'm sure Lynn would in a heartbeat do it. Oh, fantastic. That'd be great. Uh, yeah. We'll connect afterwards. Perfect. Then. And it was nice today that you made time to come by in person because we had uh, bumped into each other at DragCon. Yes. Yeah. Did you have fun there? I had a lot of fun. I found it to be so wonderful to reconnect with everyone, just to see everyone in the same room, to walk around and say hi, because I think that was the first large scale drag event that I'd been to. I'd been to some shows and everything, right. but that was the first. DragCon is another animal, for yeah. sure. I've done two of them, and um, I've worked at a few before then, but I've done two for myself, and mm-hmm. it's... um. It is definitely a beast, but I love it. Um, maybe I'm a masochist for these things, but... It is a lot of We're energy, learning. right? We're still figuring out how to do it. What's that? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. There is, it is just a lot of energy. It's positive energy, but it's a lot. It's a lot. But sign me up. That's why yeah. I did it, you know? Yeah. That's why you do this in general, right? Yeah. Yeah. So your fir- when was your first uh, DragCon? Was that um, LA? My first one was LA. Um, what year was that? That was probably four, five years ago. Mm-hmm. I went... And um, we had some friends who were helping out with Trixie's booth. Mm -hmm. And so we went, we got some passes. And if someone needed a bathroom break, we'd step in, take the photo or hold the bag or get the line moving. And so that was my first exposure to DragCon. I went in drag for one of the days and the photos are 
horrendous. <laughs> How long yeah. since you started drag was that, that you were there in, with these a photos? Year. Oh, okay. That's, a year. Yeah, that's the right amount of time to have photos that you look back on with fondness. Yeah, it was about one year and I thought I was turning it. But yeah. that's what makes drag queens so successful is their, their delusion. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for having this delusion. And sometimes I look at other queens and I envy that delusion because I'm like, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> for thinking that she's at that level, but then she is. And then you can't clock it. What can you say? Right. The full fantasy. The thing. fantasy. Yeah. When did you start doing drag? I started drag. November was my sixth year oh, doing okay. it. Mm -hmm. But I kind of started out like a Shangela. Like Shangela was a backup dancer for a lot of people. And I would go to all the pageants. I would backup dance for queens and choreograph. I would edit their music. I mm. used to do the Mr. US of A pageants mm. like when I was like 19, 20, 21. So I um, was already submerged into the drag culture back in yeah. Wisconsin. And then um, I took a break from that, but I was still friends with everyone, you know, like some of my best friends were just older trans women. And I feel like that's where I got a lot of education. And I just, I loved these people so much. And they just kind of took me under their wing and we would do like the act ride together mm. to benefit HIV and AIDS. And we would do other um, events and pride fests. And then one day, I'm with one of my best friends, Reed, and we go to a pageant at Lacage, which was which is in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember what pageant it was, but the prize package I do remember was really good. It mm -hmm. was a lot of money, a jewelry set. It was it was a good prize packet, like thousands of dollars yeah. or whatever it was. And the queens running, there weren't that many, and. The, boogers <laughs> i'm like wait hold on a damn minute yeah so you are about to give one of these queens all of that and that is the caliber that you need <laughs> the next day i called a friend of mine um dita vaughn also from milwaukee she comes over to my apartment she does my makeup she i write down all the products and then I just started painting myself and I would just paint myself almost every single day for probably six months, seven months before I decided, okay, let me like leave the apartment. <laughs> I To anyone who wants to do drag, you are going to be ugly and you're a, a booger and it's going to be disgusting. It It's the worst puberty <laughs> ever. It's so horrid. Mm -hmm. But it is unavoidable. Yeah. It's going to happen. And I just chose to have as much of mine behind closed doors as I could. Sure. Even though there's still, I still look at photos from two months ago and I'm like, ooh. But <laughs> in the very beginning, you just can't avoid it. You have to just embrace it and you'll learn how to paint your face. And mm -hmm. I wanted to like, just I didn't want to be that queen that would go on stage and go, oh my God, her makeup is busted. I'm like, let me see how much I can do with this on my own before I put myself out there. Now, did you look at tutorials or did you base your looks on yeah, anyone? Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm pretty lucky because our generation has YouTube mm. and a lot of other resources. Um, I do remember watching queens um, in the club and they would bake and they would put the powder on and let it sit. And, and what, what's bake? Is that 
putting the powder on, letting yeah, it sit. Yeah, so, you, um, so, so baking is when you'll take the powder, mm -hmm. and if you're going to do like a highlight up here, you'll put some powder on, and you'll just kind of let it sit for a minute, mm -hmm. and then you'll just dust it off really lightly after a few minutes. And mm -hmm. that process while it's sitting is your baking. I see. Okay. I love learning new things. Mm -hmm. And then after baking, then what is the next step? Uh, you brush it off. You know, and, after, yeah, um, and then you would apply. You look in the mirror and if you, if your self-esteem is still okay, <laughs> we move on to, I'm just kidding. Everyone's process is different. So some people love to use a lot of powder. You'll see that with more traditional pageant drag. Mm. I think right now it's really trendy to see queens not baking. Actually, there was a moment mm. where baking was starting to get really, really big, even not just in the drag community, but just in the makeup culture. Mm -hmm. So I'll go on like Instagram and I'll see um, cis women baking. I'm like, oh, come on, drag makeup. <laughs> um, but everyone's process is so different now. I can't really give you a, a right or wrong. It just sure. kind of depends on that look that you want to give. Yeah, I think I was more curious about at that time, what would be oh. the thing? So when you were learning, there would be the, the baking and then the next step would be just applying, I guess, whatever top layers yeah like a like a blush mm -hmm. or you'd move while you're baking you're putting your lashes on and then when you're done you can brush that excess powder off i was hoping there would be another uh, term of art uh, i'm if you sorry no, that's know. okay Maybe look you, you gave me baking well, if you I, had I a bun in uh, the oven you were already busy before you came to the show <laughs> yeah well i did have a, a, a not a bun in the oven but uh, a son a few months ago so. oh really yes yeah peter congratulations thank you very much so peter's two months uh four months four months yes yeah i, I said a few that. months ago he's born on halloween shut up that's so cool <laughs> we had a planned c-section and they, they said well do you want uh november 1st or I just filled out a section C recently. <laughs> I'm just joking. When's your birthday? August 14. Mm. And what sign is that? Leo? Is I'm that a right? Leo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, are you into astrology? I am into astrology a, a little bit. So um, I am a Leo, Leo rising as mm. well, and a Gemini moon. Mm -hmm. I think I'm only really into astrology because I have a tattoo on my shoulder, and um, it's right here, <laughs> and it's part of my chart. Oh, okay. And when I was really young, my grandma had my chart done. I was like 11 and uh, she passed away since and I wasn't allowed. It came with a tape. So she's meeting with this woman and they drew up the chart and she explains the chart to my grandma. And I remember driving in the car. I'm finally 18 years old where I'm allowed to listen to it because they talk about everything. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm with my mom and it was so crazy just hearing my grandma's voice again. And they're talking about me. Yeah. And just it was a two hour tape and just everything that they said was spot on. It was like your left knee is going to be in danger around 20, 21 years old. And um, you're not going to be in, you're going to be an athlete, but you're not going to be into team sports. You're going to be doing something solo. And um, I tore my left meniscus when I was 20 figure skating. So it's like these things would happen and they were vague, but they were specific enough where mm -hmm. you're like, that's pretty specific. It is pretty amazing. I was listening to another friend's podcast and they were talking about a similar situation. And I was thinking, I need to find one of these mediums. Because, yeah. you know, I've had like sort of bullshit card readings and, I, and they're fun. You know what? But I that, love it. Yeah. I love it because, I mean, we can't be too thick that our easy way of thinking is the only way energy works like it can't all, be i mean it just can't be it can't be like even if you look how birds fly like yeah. they they based off of the 
I don't know, like just magnets and energy. And like we we only know what we know, but there's so much more out there. So, yeah, maybe we can't explain it, but at least have an open mind. Like we really thought that this was the center of the universe for a long time. (laughs) It's not so. Well, and, you know, there's a lot of people, unfortunately, in this country now who think that their way is the only way, in particular in Arizona, where there's just a whole raft of horrific legislation. Oh, my God. Drain the lake. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And light it on fire. I guess is no, that's Michigan. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, no, crazy. So, so, was it just the other day that they passed the drag bill that would uh, risk or run that would make drag queens run the risk of spending 10 years in jail at the worst of it? I think it went up to 15 in Tennessee. Oh, my God. Yeah. Luckily, in Arizona, we have Katie Hobbs. She's our new elected governor, and she's going to veto all of those that come up, which everyone's like, yay, we don't need to worry about it. No, you do have to worry about it because mm. she she has a term that's four years long. So now we need we are privileged to have this opportunity to have Katie Hobbs. We have to do our homework mm. and put in the work during these four years so that this is just going to be another phase and then they can bitch about something else that I don't know maybe actually matters like how to fix the homeless population or the deficit or health care health care would be a handy thing I think that'd be good it'd be really good especially with my experience recently of dealing with the NHS in London and uh, not having to pay through the nose for every single process of the pregnancy and then when you think about what it costs here yeah. Or uh, medicine, especially like now there's an Adderall shortage and people are losing their minds. Yeah. L- lots of stuff is going on. Um, do you take any medication? Yeah, I do take some medication. Um, I'll enjoy a little bowl before bed. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite strain? I don't think I have a favorite strain. I, I uh, probably just a blend, a good blend. I like, I don't want to do too much of an indica because it'll put me to bed mm. and um, I, I feel like I won't wake up the next day. Yeah. And um, sometimes a sativa can make me, excuse me, can make me a little um, more, I don't want to say paranoid, but I, I'll really overthink things. Yeah. And um, so I like something in the middle. I'll do just a little bit mm-hmm. and um, I'll watch a movie or it'll put me right to bed. And uh, I feel like I can sleep through the entire night and I'm, I wake up refreshed or before a flight. I have the same pen, but before okay, yeah. a flight is If you'd amazing. like to right now, please. Oh, I'm good. I'm okay. good right now. I still have a little bit. I still sometimes I've tried, there was a moment where I tried to smoke mm-hmm. and be productive. Oh, okay. Okay, this is just tobacco. Oh, oh, got it. Oh, or nicotine, rather. Got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, weed, like, weed, weed spins me out. Unfortunately, can oh, I mean really? I can I can do tasks on somehow, but weed will spin me out. I can't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> what happened when but you, you know, tried it? I tried it though. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know you got to try things, right? Because otherwise, what's life? What's life, right? Yeah. yeah I, you you know Chelsea Handler. Uh, Yes, I'm familiar with her. I love Chelsea Handler. And I feel like one thing I share in common with her is she's just like, live your life, have a good time, try things out, see what you like, have as many type of experiences as you can. Um, But just don't hurt anybody. Don't cause self-harm. Be smart. And I really like that. So... um, I haven't tried everything and I won't try everything. But sometimes I'm like, oh, 
Yeah, I think we could do that. Yeah, a little sous-son of something. Uh, yeah. Try that and see. And if it agrees with you, great. If it doesn't, well, you know, the list. and you're done. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I know. And we all have our no-fly lists with substances. There's a couple yeah. things that are on the forbidden, yeah, uh, forever as they should be, because we've all heard too many stories. Uh, and it doesn't seem like the uh, as the juice is worth the squeeze, as they say. No. Um, when you were growing up, uh, when was the first time that you sort of had a dalliance with the uh, weed or? You know, I was a good, I was a really good boy. Mm-hmm. I, so I was a competitive figure skater. Mm. I, it was my life. It's a sport where it's not a hobby. It's, it's a lifestyle. It takes dedication. At one point in time, I had a dream to be an Olympian. I was like, mm-hmm. we're going to do it. We didn't have a lot of money. And, uh, but so some people would help sponsor some of my lessons mm-hmm. and coachings and I would compete. I got all the way up to a double axle. And we started working on a triple, but then um, college happened and um, I couldn't do college and work full time and be a competitive figure skater. I'm just not one of those people. Congrats if you can, but I'm not like that. And um, so it just kind of fell to the wayside. And I was so nervous to jeopardize my skating career. I didn't do anything. I didn't mm. party. I, I I wasn't invited to parties. Like, but um, I, I you didn't. can give out that vibe too, where it's just like, don't invite me. And they're like, he he doesn't want to go. Yeah, I was just. If we could circle back to being picked on a lot, well, yeah. I probably wasn't. I was not one of the cool kids. So well, I, I, I can relate. I, you know, I had a lot of that too. Yeah. So I know the feeling, and it takes a while to get used to even the concept of I might get invited to something. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? wasn't invited to any. I didn't even know house parties were going. I saw them in movies, but I didn't <laughs> actually know they were. Ha- that's where we were. Yeah, it was and like was sci-fi just, stuff you see it in movies, which are like that doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I was just I was a goody two shoes yeah. only for the fact that I was scared of the wrath of my Jewish mother and my figure skating coach telling me I can't skate anymore. So I didn't wasn't really exposed or I didn't really put myself in a position to be exposed until college when I was a flaming, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> flaming skater, yeah. flaming former skater, right? Yeah. That's the, that's the slur that yeah. would go around. Uh, now, yeah, figure skating is a rather intensive uh, 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 occupation, I would say, because it's not even a pastime. It's not a hobby. It's a, a bit of a calling, right? Because you're, you you have is. to be that committed to it. It is. And I wanted to go to school for kinesiology and um, physical therapy. And um, figure skating became so technical. And once the iPhone happened and now we're able to, and they changed the scoring system. And now we're able to look at people's routines and really break them down and dissect them really technically. I was like, I see myself having that position on figuring out how much each element is worth as they're doing it, looking at the rotations in slow-mo and determining all of that. And I remember we're going to, we're going to talk about this on drag race. And then Denali walks in with their ice skates and I was like, maybe I'm not going to try to be the ice skater right now. You know, I'm going to mm-hmm. let that do that. You know? Now, did you and Denali uh, find you had a, a bond? Yeah, we did. You know, there's yeah. a, we're both Jewish mm-hmm. and um, we are both ice skaters. We're both fire signs and uh, we're both little gay boys who had a dream. We wanted to go to the Olympics and we made it to the Olympics of drag. Exactly. So, we're, I think we're both pretty satisfied with that, and um, but we'll we'll compare stories. And she did cruise ships, I didn't. And um, one day we'll do. I'm sure we'll do something together, and it'll be so fun and hysterical. Mm-hmm. 
but it's fun to have just a little like ice skating sister. And there's more that you think like Susie Wong, um, mm. former Miss Gay America is mm-hmm. a competitive figure skater. She competed like she went really, really far competing with triples and um, uh, Milk is a figure skater. Uh, right. Yeah. Super talented. I worked with Milk on an ice skating project for politics, two of my favorite things. And um, we did that last year. So what was that called? That initiative? What's that? The politics. What did we do? I'm sorry. I'm having a mental break, a mental block right now. Oh, that's okay. When we, I asked it and you, and you had that expression on your face, I thought, I think I might have understand, uh, misunderstood what Joey said. No, no, no. So we did an event and it was to raise awareness on voting. And yeah. um, we created like an Olympics of like a gay Olympics. Mm. So they did like a 60 meter duck walk. Yeah. And we did fi- figure skating and we we had detox then. And we had some of the really talented dancers from Legendary. Mm. And it was my very first time meeting and working with Selena S. Titties. Oh, fantastic. And I remember her laughter is so contagious. Yeah. I'm going to see her this weekend and I'm really excited about that. But I was so excited when I saw that she was going to be on the show because I'm like, this is a queen who deserves it and is putting the work in. And I am a Selena S. Cities stan 100%. As am I. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of uh, their progress on the show. And I'm yeah. hoping they win. Me too. Now, about Arizona, what brought you to Arizona? So I, you know what, I always wanted to live in Los Angeles. I have family out here. I came out to visit when I was 11 mm-hmm. and it was like a dream of mine. I, I never, I lived in Wisconsin, I don't know, 20 some years and I never got used to winter. And <laughs> I know it the just, feeling. It sucks. It's yeah. the worst thing in the world. I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. And um, I taught ballroom dancing for a living mm-hmm. and I was there for about five, I was teaching for about four and a half, five years in Milwaukee. And I hated it. Like I was good at it, (laughs) but I hated the culture. I hated, it was like dancing to me is such an art and it's so freeing and it's all about expression. And I've never seen like a dance culture be so hoity toity and judgmental. Mm. It's just one of those sports that is really designed for the affluent. It's kind of like, like mm -hmm. golf or I don't know, like horseback uh, related things. Yeah. Dressage. Polo. (laughs) Dressage. That's my favorite, favorite, favorite uh, word in that whole realm of things. Because like dressage, you're like, oh, right. I know who plays. Or I know who deals with that stuff. It's, yeah. it's not anyone I know. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to shit on ballroom dancing or any of these other sports. Like I love or Carson writing. For Forgive me, Carson. I love, we love Carson. Yeah. Like I love all of these things, but it's just one of those sports that isn't for everybody. And I remember I just wasn't making any money and I, it's, it's another lifestyle being mm. a ballroom teacher, because in order to get better, you have to go take coachings and they cost some money and then you have to go compete. And if you want to be someone, you've got to go on the circuit and compete every single week and your partner's too fat and you need to grow three inches well i'm 24 how am i gonna grow like (laughs) it was just it was a lot and it wasn't really good mentally and i was like i need to get out of here like i think i've outgrown milwaukee i want to go somewhere else i don't want to just say what if and i overheard them talking about expanding their region to arizona and taking over that region and i was like well if we were taking over a new region you have to have someone to implement mm. like mm-hmm. so i saw a little in and i probably spent about a year planting that seed because i can't afford to move on my own so let me 
make my own position and have work pay for it. And I'm that much closer to LA. So we did that. That worked out. I was going to stop teaching and I was going to be a manager. And then we were going to groom myself to open my own franchise studio. And um, then I re-injured my knee. And I kind of was like, I think the universe is telling me, don't sign up for this. Mm -hmm. If I want it, it's always going to be there. I left on really, really good terms. I still keep in touch with a lot of teachers and students. Mm -hmm. And um, I tried corporate America for a couple of years. And I was like, I don't think I can go back to it. I'm just going to stay in my little cubicle, which is promoted into an office. (laughs) And um, then I was like, okay, this isn't my calling either. I'm here, I'm queer, I'm really good at it. Let me dive into drag and give it my 100. And I took the leap. Now, what was the culture like at the uh, software company that you worked at? It was amazing. Um, I really liked it. I worked for a school district software company. And so basically anytime you would log into your computer, all that software, we were behind everything. And um, it was really, really good. I I worked with the person who planted that seed was my roommate who used to be a ballroom dance instructor as well. And he knew what I was talking about. He knew what my struggles were Mm -hmm. when I would come home and just bitch about work or my goals weren't happening. And he's like, you know, everything that you do right now, all of your soft skills within ballroom will translate to anything else. And Mm -hmm. they actually will translate to this perfectly like just customer service and listening to somebody and making someone feel good and just helping someone and everything else can be learned. When did you discover that you had that facility that you could help people along? I think if you can survive the ballroom industry, I think you can survive anything. Like you, like you have to learn how to put out fires. You have to learn how to not react. If someone's dress, which costs them $10,000, doesn't show up and they're on in an hour, how are you going to diffuse the situation? So it's just a one example, but there's a lot of moments like that. A teacher calls in sick and now we have this really rich student who they're gonna, it's their very first lesson. We can't cancel their first lesson. This is a really good client. Like how to just think outside the box and just make shit happen. I, I dedicate, I think all of my like, all of my discipline and work ethic, which mm-hmm. has made me a successful queen today, is because I learned it from the ballroom industry, 100%. It's interesting though, the, the transition from the solely self-focused aspect of being a professional skater in driving, how many hours a day would you say like at the peak you were focusing on your own? I mean, we were all students. So like I would go for an hour and a half, like a couple times a week before school and then maybe an hour after school. And then I would do like two to four hours on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. But that costs money too. I was, I was, I grew up and I didn't have a lot of money. And so, um, I just did what I could, you know, but what I could do, we were doing incredible. And that's kind of where this, like, maybe we could be an Olympian because if we're able to still, hold our own up to these really talented skaters who have access to all these lessons, then maybe that's something we should look at. And so that's why my mom was still okay with me doing it and was was really proud of me for doing it and would support me. Was she hesitant at first? Um, Maybe, she probably was, because I I tried soccer and I quit that. And then we tried this and I quit that. And I, I, I didn't like it. But I loved skating. I never complained about it. I was obsessed. I would be sick 
with a fever of 104 <laughs> degrees and my, and my mom would be like no you can't go to the rink like you're you need to stay in bed and so shouldn't she, be in the freezing cold for you know yeah, two hours yeah. at a time and so she's like <laughs> exerting yourself loves it and i support <laughs> it and also if you're a male skater you have a lot less competition than a female skater so okay that was also kind of like you're going to be seen quicker and it's not going to be as hard to climb that ladder Mm -hmm. so maybe this is actually possible and also then the changeover that i was i'm kind of fascinated with also is just dealing with yourself and being a student and then transitioning to being the person who like you said is putting out the fires with uh, maybe some very short-tempered clients oh who have to be uh, retained. Can you tell me about the the first wave of being involved in that? Like, what was it like having that kind of uh, attitude thrown at you and getting uh, accustomed to it? I just, I don't know. It's kind of, no one likes to be the new kid and mm. it's kind of like you walk in, you're the new kid, but I don't know. You, it's just one of those industries where you have to, you have to prove yourself. You have to if you're going to be working with these other teachers who've worked very hard to get where they are, and now you're going to pair up with them with a student, they're not going to want you. You're new. It's kind of like, and it's, I think it's, that's just human nature. Like if there's a high turnover rate, which there was like, how many months are you going to wait to actually try to remember their name? Because a lot of times you blink and they're already gone. Sure. So it's just, I'm not mad at that. I think it's just part of the, just the work culture. And yeah. so it's like, okay, if I'm going to be here, I have to do my time. I've got to prove that I can do this. I've got to work hard and I've got to learn it. If you can learn it, great. And so you just know to expect that. It's just part of the territory. But you're a quick um, study, it seems. And you're also in a rather adroit observer of what's going on because you yeah. have to be in that sort of thing because it's a competitive environment. There is no real room for uh, fiddling around or no. finding your bearing slowly. No. And I've, I'm a huge observer and I feel like we, we are all going to make mistakes, but we don't all have to reinvent the wheel. So I'm going to watch you and see what worked for you and what didn't work for you. And probably what didn't work for you most likely won't work for me also. So mm-hmm. why try it? Let me just try the things that I see that are successful and research it. And so, yeah, I'm a huge observer. And that was one of the things with drag too. And I wanted to start that. I was like, okay, I want to get, I was like, I'm going to be a drag queen and I'm going to be a good one. I'm going to be talented. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be booked. And this is, this is my calling. I'm going to dive in 100%, but we have to start out like a booger. And I'm like, okay, Let's watch these videos. Let me ask these questions instead of just going to Walgreens and grabbing what I can. Let me talk to a queen and get a list of all of the supplies. Like who are, are the designers that take new clients? How mm. much do they cost? Like, um, hey, I've been doing drag for eight months at home by myself, but I want to get a booking. Hey, show director, I know really well. Could I have a free booking on a Saturday night? Just two numbers just to like get it out there. And yes, of course, you know, like if you're friends with them or you've helped them out with something or you back up dance for one of their competitors that are, yeah, yeah, I'll do you this. You, you've already done so much for me. And I would just utilize those human connections that we make. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So much in life is about connection and also putting forth good faith you're helping with backup dancing or you're helping at a booth or any of those things and it's more likely that when you need something uh you or you would just like some help someone is more than happy to and i think some people get confused because some people think that it's just grab 
And that yeah. doesn't work. No, not at all. Uh, what, if you want to be a successful drag queen or anything, but we'll just talk about drag, you have to be a people person. Mm-hmm. You could be the ugliest bitch and it's okay. You could be the worst dancer and it's okay. You could be the, you, the worst dressed. But if you are a good person, if you are fun to talk to, if you are reliable, <laughs> if you call back, if you show up on time. Yeah. That is what separates you from everyone else because everyone, anyone can learn how to do makeup. Anyone can learn how to wear something that was made for them. Like, sure. Did you make that? No, I'm not saying like you, I don't make all of my own things, but every, everything can be learned. But the the thing that's going to separate you is, are you fun to work with? Are you, are you leaving a booking knowing you'll be back because they had so much fun with you. Right. And that's how I go into every 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 gig. Like, we're going to go here and I'll see you in a year and a half. Because I know that I just built a relationship and I they put their faith in me. They paid me to put on a good show and show up on time and look good and wear a good costume and do a meet and greet and meet every single person and take every single photo. Yeah. And now they know that I uh, fulfilled all of their checkboxes. Yeah, you're reliable and uh, and a great talent. So that combination, yeah, is kind of uh, unbeatable. You make yourself indispensable, to use uh, a, an old business term. That's been right. Floating I know I'm not at the same caliber. Like, there's so many queens now, and I'm not at the same caliber, of course, of like above the drag queen in Alaska, a Naomi Small as a Trixie. Um, but that's okay. But one thing that they all have in common is they. They check all the boxes, right? you know, so we don't really have time anymore for queens with a bad attitude. I feel like there was a moment where it was kind of, they thought it was the cool thing to do. And I think that got shut down pretty quick. Like we all, we all are here for the same reasons. Let's have a good time. Let's put on a show and I would love to work with you again. No one wants to deal with this crazy diva anymore yeah i think there's one or two examples that i'm sure we're both thinking of yeah. where uh the uh we know uh, yeah <laughs> exactly and like valdemort why speak their name um yeah name them read them <laughs> and their careers but that's well, the thing oh no that, they did that for themselves <laughs> well did they did they because i see a lot of these queens who maybe at one point went through a little riff like that or had a dip or had a lot of stories about them and then you go to drag con and the line is out the door and it's like you are a perfect example of someone who made mistakes learned from them and then edited how you are going to move forward and you're back welcome back and i'm so happy you're here well a genuine redemption we all love it yeah you know i mean think back to how laganja was perceived on her first oh gosh i love her yeah and then her look at her now story yeah it's amazing you know and Mm -hmm. she's an inspiration to millions she's great i just worked with her a couple months ago in phoenix we had her at our show for some review at cobalt and um she was a treat I, I love it when we get to bring the sisters in and I feel like especially the seasoned ones who now they're on their 10 year mark of drag race that their outlook is so different now. Like they get it. Mm-hmm. They're in on the joke and they get it. And I think a lot of these queens, when they get on the show, they take it so seriously. But how could you not? 
You've never done this before. You sacrificed everything to be here. You spent all your money, quit your job. I know because I did it. <laughs> right. And everything, they say never put your eggs in one basket. And you put everything in the basket because you didn't have a choice. You borrowed and some eggs to put in that you basket. You borrowed other people's eggs that, yeah. are, that might break. And um. <laughs> And so, yeah, everything is in it. But then you have to realize, hey, this isn't continental. This isn't a pageant. I'm here to make really good TV. Mm. I'm here to build relationships. I'm here to spill the tea. And everyone goes, oh, the edit, the edit they gave me. Baby, you said what you said. You said it. So, I, yeah, there's an edit. But, like, don't give them the ammo. Right. If you don't want it to be turned around. And let me tell you, I gave them some ammo. Sure. I think I got really lucky with how I, everything turned out. But at the same time, I was probably the easiest, one of the easiest ones to work with, mm -hmm. you know, on time and professional. If you are really, really nice to work with and you are great and you make their jobs really easy, why are they going to go out of their way to give you a negative light? Right. They just want to do a, a good job and their yeah. job. They just yeah. want to do their job. And if yeah. you're facilitating them doing their job. Right. And let, let's say if, and if, if you have a season of Drag Race where everyone goes on and everyone is super happy with their edit and it's kumbaya, do you think that show's going to get any awards? No, absolutely not. We want not. some nasty reality yeah. TV. That's why we're here. So, and so that's one thing that like we have to remember doing it. Like go and just play the game. Don't take it too seriously. Whatever happens on camera, it's not real life. So come back and rebuild these relationships with these sisters and. Mm -hmm show them who you actually are go and visit them in their cities and hang out with them do photo shoots together and uh, i i some of we didn't i did barely got to know the queens on my season i was there for five episodes out of 290 yeah and um so you don't get to know each other that well and now some of my closest friends are from my season who are some of your closest friends? Um, you know, so I shared a booth with Utica mm -hmm. at DragCon UK, and I'd never shared a booth with someone, and it was so great. Speaking of booths that always had a line around it them. always had a line, which is amazing. Packed, so yeah. I did LA DragCon, and I had the coolest booth ever. I loved it. I, I par partnered with Sally Beauty, and it was so fun. And we brought all of their hair influencers, and um, they spent so much money on this booth. I was so grateful to have them as a as a campaign sponsor. But COVID and ticket mm. sales with DragCon, I know weren't the highest, and a lot of us thought DragCon was going to come back full force, and that one didn't. And I had a lot of people that I got to see, but I didn't. I think only a few queens had really long lines. And um, when we went to the UK, it was night and day. Yeah, I think it's because it's a lot smaller, and there's a lot of countries that are close together, and they they all want to go and see these queens that are representing their country. Like representation is so impactful, mm. and important. Yeah, and to see all of them in the room, in one room, it was amazing. Yeah, and um, so it was it was really fun working with Utica. I'm really close with. Uh, Olivia and Denali and Kimora. I see Candy whenever she's in Phoenix. I'll take her to the airport. Mm -hmm. um, I talk to Tina on a regular basis. I message Mick and Simone every now and then. It's like, it's really good to see everyone and just to stay in touch. And maybe you're not, we're not all supposed to be best friends. We're all just, we're colleagues though. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's how I see it. Yeah. Professional colleagues with the friendly yeah, just have have a good 
purpose and um, a good means and try to have an attitude where if you were in a pinch and you had to ask a favor for someone you don't talk too much anymore, what's going to make them text you back right away and say yes? Right. It's I think this, that's like an attitude that you need to have. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's basically like folks that you're not necessarily super close with, but you see every now and then at functions at DragCon or whatever the business is that the listener yeah. right now We're works not going in. anywhere. Like, right. we're, we're all going to keep seeing each other and there's only going to be more and more of us. So yeah. be easy to work with have and have fun with these hoes. Have whatever the broad stroke memory, someone that you're not super close with has of you. It's actually very important. And the only way the only worry anyone should have about that is just comport yourself in a way that you would like to be treated yourself. Yeah. Now, not everyone's going to like you. That's true. And that's okay. Yeah. Because are they, are they, what are they doing for you? Like, it's totally fine. I think, and that's another thing too that I think a lot of people get nervous about. But queens, if you're thinking about doing drag race and you want everyone to like you. Or drag waste, by the drag way. Drag waste. <laughs> if you want everyone to like you, um, I think maybe look, I think Candy Muse is a perfect example of this. Um, she, when she came on, I felt like the viewers, it was you loved her or you hated her. And look at her now. Right. She's talked about, and it's, it's not controversial things. It's just like maybe her drag. That's all it is. It's just her style of drag. It's just not everyone's cup of tea, but it starts these arguments. It starts these, these silly, these silly arguments about drag and what it should be and what it should, well, if you don't like it, do it, do it how you want to do it. But Mm -hmm. all these conversations that you're having is only getting candy more and more success. So keep talking about it. Right. I mean, yeah, she was the sort of the spark plug of that season. I remember people having very, 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 very strong opinions one way or the other. But I, I remember that was the first thing I kept hearing about when the season it's started. Drag. Yeah. So this drag queen was mean to me. When is a drag queen supposed to be nice to you? <laughs> remember those days? Like, yeah, I get it. Like, you shouldn't be rude. But like, look at Bianca. Mm-hmm. She can read anyone down and she means it with love. Yeah. It's perfect. And people love it when they get uh, the Rickles treatment yeah. from her. But it's like, oh, this drag queen was mean to me. But you know what? At least you got to meet her. At least she looked at you. Like, you have a good story. She, yeah, you have a good story. Be grateful for that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, okay, drag queens go out there and be cunts to everybody. But at the same time, people shouldn't be cunts to the queens because no. there's certain you guys something to say, boundaries. Let me see you do it. What's that? I said, and if you have something to say, let me see you do it. That's and if you can do yeah. it, put that tape in, bitch. And I got you. I support you. Now, how do you deal with the online thing? Because a lot of people have trouble with comments and people going for them on Twitter, etc. So I think it, so online is crazy. It's unhinged. If you go looking, you'll find something that you don't want. It's just, that's, it's like, it's kind of like if, if you ever want to go through someone's phone, like maybe you're dating them and you don't trust them and you're, I'm going to go through their phone. You're not going to find something that you like. Like that's just. Yeah, that story Common that sense. story never ends with and I saw the loveliest and thing. They had all these screenshotted <laughs> photos of me and poems that they were gonna read to me tonight. Yeah. So no, it's not like that. So you just have to know these people don't know you. I tell all these queens, hey, um, anytime we have a new batch, get on the show. I'll try to make a little PSA with some helpful advice, whether it's about finance or attitude or blah blah blah. And yeah. I say, um, the and I think it, it's like this with the Republican Party too. Is 
they're really, really loud, but it one, it doesn't represent the fandom. Mm -hmm. It's just we, the loudest ones are the ones that we hear the most and we see the most, but that it's not the definition of you. Yeah. Most of these people aren't legally allowed to drive. <laughs> they have homework. They yeah. have internet privileges. Um, they, Maybe too much free time on their hands. Too much free time on their hands. They're in their basement. They don't even have the balls to have a photo right on and they have some crazy bot name mm -hmm. it's like it's it's sad it's disgusting and um but it exists and mm -hmm. it's probably not going anywhere reddit stay away yeah stay absolutely. away from reddit but it's just it's just nasty and it's just kids are they're bullies and they're mean and so you can go there you'll read it you'll see it don't respond no one likes to see a queen like engaging <laughs> and like unless Unless you fucking let them have it. Like, unless you were so witty yeah. and clever and had this mic drop. But you saying like, oh, well, what do you mean by that? Like, don't open that can of worms. No, and don't feed the troll. Because you know what? All these bars and promoters can see these things. Yeah. And if you're doing that there, are you going to say something in person? Well, and it also can sort of diminish the impression do you see Beyonce responding? No. No. Exactly. But every now and then you see Rihanna respond and it's <laughs> sickening. And Gaga every once in a while, there'll be yeah. something and it's, but it's like a laser beam. It's great. It's got to be fantastic You're or just don't than do that. it. And here's the thing. Drama, re drama revolves around people who have too much time. If you're booked and blessed, you don't have time. Also, like you said, if you're seeking out the negative, you're going to find the negative and then that just has uh, an expanding effect and a multiplying effect. But if you're looking for the positive, if you're looking for the ways to be, say, of service to the uh, evening that you're performing at or the industry at large, that will keep um, multiplying as well. Yeah. And you you getting nasty back at someone you, like you, you have your blue chat mark. You were on TV. You were Emmy nominated. You are representation and people look up to you. And if you do it, excuse me. I know you're getting overcome with emotion. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> if you do it, you give permission for someone else to do it. So mm -hmm. what I try to do right now, I think I'm really nice. I, I have no problem like saying how I feel and like maybe not trying to be Miss Congeniality all the time. Like I'm very honest. If you go on my Twitter, I'm very honest. Yeah. Um, but when I see someone and I'll go like, I try to be the first one on Instagram in all capital letters to just be their cheerleader mm -hmm. because I, I, I feel like a lot of these people online, they don't know what their opinion is and they're waiting for someone else to make it for them. And then they jump on it. Yeah. So I try to beat them to it and just go, Oh my gosh, they they always do it. They always turn it out. Oh my yeah. gosh, they look so good. No one could ever hold it up to them. I try to just be a cheerleader for them. And I think a lot of people jump on that. And then I feel like maybe if I didn't say something, they would jump on the wrong comment mm -hmm. and it could start some hate. So little things you can do if you have a moment and you're at the airport and you just go on, I don't know, Drag Race's Instagram and see yeah. lip sync videos, just, just support them. Mm -hmm. It seems like you have a a general positive outlook. Have you always been like that? Or do it, sometimes when people have uh, a very positive outlook and approach to life, uh, they may have had a, a period in their lives where there was a lot of self doubt. And I'm curious if you ever had something like that. 
I, you know, I think I've always been pretty positive mm-hmm. for the most part. I think that, um, I think, I say I think because none of us really know what we're doing, but we're giving it our best shot. And I think what my goal is right now is I just want to be a really good example where you can you can be a success story by being your authentic self. I don't have yeah. a drag name. I just kept my own name. I, I feel like, yeah, it's easier to do things in drag, like be more social or like turn it out for a photo shoot because you've got the makeup and you've got the outfit on and you feel good. But I don't necessarily think it's an alter ego. I also understand I'm a cis white male and I have that to my advantage and I have that privilege. Um, but I just try to tell people like, if you just have the right mentality and the right attitude, it's going to make your life a lot easier Mm -hmm. rather than critique everyone or bitch about everything. Cause we've all been in the room with them and it's the most draining thing ever. Like you don't, I don't want that to be my friend. I don't want that to be my dresser. I don't want them in my life. Like, so I just want to be who I want to be around. Yeah. And I think being your authentic self is the best way to go. And also, like you said, complaining about things that really doesn't do, a lot. It's like, well, what are you going to do about yeah. it? Yeah. I, okay. So you have a problem and it sucks. I think it's, you have to acknowledge it. Hmm. You have to react to it, have your moment and then let's move forward. How did you do that when you tore your meniscus? What was that process like? Well, I don't know. I was 19 and I had surgery on it. It wasn't like a, an, an incident. It wasn't like I fell and it was torn. It was something that was just over time. And I had surgery and I just, I did what the doctor said. I mean, I went to Lady Gaga the day after with my crutches and he told me not to. Well, you have but to go to Gaga. I have though. to I go mean, to Gaga. You know. Fuck you and your, I don't know, <laughs> merits on your wall. You don't even know who Lady Gaga is, bitch. So, of course we went. Talk about sheltered. I mean, this, yeah. this doctor. I mean. But aside from that, um, I just, I, I'd listened to what the doctor said. I healed and I did physical therapy and I just went up and I started doing it again, you know, and, and I'm 32 now and my knee bugs me and it has a few tears, but then this time instead of surgery, we did, um, uh, PPR. What's that? Is that a non-invasive sort of thing? Um, So it's when they take your blood and they spin it down and they separate, they separate your blood and they take the, like the blood platelets, Mm -hmm. the good stuff. Yeah. And they inject it and it uh, promotes new cell growth or yeah, it's growth and healing. Mm. And I don't have all of the, no, that's a, that's a pretty good, uh, Okay, good. You're picking up what I'm putting down. I am so we, we Dr. Did, J. Yes. <laughs> so we, we did that, but. Well, that's yeah. exciting though. It's, it's nice that there's new and ever developing treatments for something like if that. If it's insured. Ooh. Yeah. Then it's very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking yeah. Of but I did system. take advantage of one of my students. <laughs> I'm glad there's some kind of had a nefarious very, story. Here. They had a very their was it their husband was a very successful knee surgeon in Arizona. So I used my networking to my very wealthy students going, do you know of a good knee doctor? And they were helping me to get me set up with that. So. Now, did you know full well that they knew a good knee doctor? Beforehand? No, I just was just okay. asking, Hey, do you know anyone? But I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm sure someone knows someone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and uh, Arizona also home to Alice Cooper. I just always like to mention that when it's uh, appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Arizona used to be a big test market 
for uh, fast food companies. I don't know if that still goes It probably goes on. is. It is for... We always joke about it. It's everyone's first stop when they go on tour. Oh, it and is. And I'm like, I want the kinks. Let them out here, <laughs> you know? Like, work all the kinks out here. Even when queens are putting their little tours together. Like, we had Violet and Mick come to my show, and they mm-hmm. did their little touring show. And I was like, thank you for coming to Phoenix. And... um I was like, everyone's got to get the mistakes out now. So thank you for doing me here. And she's, Violet was like, you <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> but I'm like, what not a better place? Like Phoenix, they, they it's a huge drag scene. Mm-hmm. They love drag there. And they're just, they, they're not, they're not picky. They're not looking to watch you fall or looking for you to make mistakes or critique what you're wearing. They just want to be entertained. So everyone usually starts their tours here. It sounds like you really love Phoenix, that you're not thinking about moving to L.A. anymore. You know, I would move to L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, L.A. has always been my goal. Um, Phoenix has been amazing, but I feel like from what I've learned here, if you really want to be in the show business industry, like you have to live in it, you know? So it's definitely on the bingo card. I don't mm-hmm. know when it'll happen, but Phoenix has been really, really good to me. And so I'm not necessarily in a rush to get out of there like I was Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I totally see myself coming here. I don't know if I would live here forever in mm-hmm. LA, but um, like I see myself probably retiring in Phoenix or maybe go to Palm Springs, you know? Yeah, that's a pretty good retirement. Right area. in the middle. Yeah. And go back and forth whenever you like. And also moving, I guess when you had left the show wouldn't even be something that would be reasonable because you filmed your season in the pandemic. Right. And that is not the time to make grand life no. uh, and my, changes. My big thing was, okay, if I'm going to be booked and going everywhere, I don't want to be paying three times the rent for a fancy storage unit. Yeah. Phoenix is at a really easy airport. I live 12 minutes away from it mm-hmm. and I'm in within 10 minutes, 15 minutes tops on a busy day. And um, it's it's been really good. So I'm just, let me just take advantage of it as much as I can. And maybe when things slow down or I want to pursue something else or add a new genre to dra- my own drag, like maybe I want to do more on TV. Like I've always wanted to do something kind of like Queer as Folk, uh, not Queer as Folk, like um, Queer Eye for the Straight God. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, I, I love that. Or like what We're Here is doing mm-hmm. or acting always looks really, really fun. But there's only so many hours in the day. And so if this True. is working right now, I'll do this. And if I'm like, let me try something else, I'll probably end up here. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, it seems like you have a passion for LA. Do you know what area you would like to live in? I know. I don't know. I feel like I would really like downtown mm-hmm. or I would like living just outside of West Hollywood, like maybe <laughs> Koreatown. Why just outside? Because people always have a a distinct opinion one way or the other about West Hollywood. I love West Hollywood. I think it's really easy to get everywhere. Um, I, I don't know, maybe I have FOMO and I know if I live a little further away, Mm -hmm. I won't just be out all the time. And (laughs) I don't live a few blocks away where it's so easy to just go out to a bar, you know, Yeah, it's six minute walk to Vita and then maybe 10 to Mickey's. Right. So I think just living a little bit, more just central to Los Angeles would be good because then I can get to the airport and... You gave me some terrific tips on the airport scene here because I always do LAX and Burbank. Burbank is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. You don't have any of the stress. You're in and out. In and out. And there's like a shopping center right next door. So Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, if you want to get a in and out or some electronics right there. Oh, there you go. 
Hate to leave you on a cliffhanger, but we'll be back next week with part two. And remember, go to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends, support the show, and set yourself free. 